Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we trust that each and every day, each and every week, you are eager to speak to us through your word. So send your spirit into this place and into our hearts that we might hear what you have to say. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Today's first reading comes from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 11. In a time of uncertainty and fear and depression, Isaiah preaches a word of hope, peace, and justice. And he does this by pointing to the future that God intends. Listen now for God's word to you and to me. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear, but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
worked for them. What marvels the Lord worked for us. Indeed, we were glad. our bondage as streams in dry land those who are sowing in tears will sing when they reap the Lord has done great things for us we are filled with joy full of tears, carrying seed for the sowing. They come back, they come back full of song, carrying their sheaves. The Lord has done great things for Today's Gospel reading comes from Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. Listen now for God's word. They came to Jericho. As he and his disciples in a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, Have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I learned a new word this week, which is always fun when you're 48 years old to learn a new word. The word is penumbra. Penumbra is a space of partial illumination between the perfect shadow on all sides and the full light. 
A penumbra is that space where the darkness and the light mingle and meet. We live in a penumbra. We live in a state between total light and complete darkness. And because of this reality, we never quite see the whole picture. We miss things. The light is just not bright enough, or in some cases, the darkness is just too strong. We live in a penumbra, in that space between light and dark where they mix and mingle. The trouble is we rarely admit that to be true. We want clarity. We crave certainty. We often live as if we know the right thing to do or say. Or if you are more cynical, we don't want to accept that there are times when we are in the wrong, when we are absolutely positively certain we are in the right. We live in a penumbra, that space of partial illumination between the perfect shadow on all sides and the full light. Another way to say this is that we are all blind. Not in a literal sense like Bartimaeus, but we are all blind in that none of us sees the whole picture. We don't often see what is right in front of us. We, we miss the obvious. We overlook God in our midst. We are blind. We are living in a penumbra. The trouble is we often forget this to be true. In fact, did you notice that there is more than one blind person in today's story? It took me a few readings to catch it. And Bartimaeus is the obvious one. Literally, he's a blind beggar by the side of the road. But a closer look at the story reveals the crowds who have gathered, who are following Jesus, they are also struggling to see as well. They try to silence a guy who is simply desperate to receive what Jesus came to offer. Instead of seeing the moment for what it is, a chance for Jesus to reveal who he is, they miss it. They are blind to what is happening. They overlook the obvious. That Jesus came for people such as Bartimaeus, people on the edge in desperate need of mercy. Jesus came to give sight to the blind, which includes all in the crowd. All who are bothered and annoyed by Bartimaeus as he expresses his deep need and the startling truth about Jesus. We are all blind. We all fail to see. When Mike and Sarah bought their first home, they were in their early 30s. They had saved some money for a down payment and used nearly all of it to secure the loan on the home. So they had very little money left over to furnish their new home. They had a small table they got from Mike's dad. They had those chairs, those stacking plastic deck chairs you can get at Walmart. And they had a few desks and dressers that they had collected over the years. That was about it. Most of the rooms in their new house were completely empty. So on the weekends, they would do what young couples do who have moved into a new place. They would go out looking for bargains on furniture. They tried a lot of yard sales with little to no success. Then they learned about estate sales and even better, barn auctions. They lived in Maine, so there were lots and lots of barn auctions. The thing they wanted to find more than anything else, the thing they were most looking for, was a dining room table. 
If they just had a dining room table, then they could have their friends over for dinner, and that's all they really wanted, a place to gather and fellowship. The problem was they never had enough money to win the auctions. Someone always outbid them. It was then that Sarah discovered this little thing called eBay. Now, this was 1998 or so, so eBay was really new. They had just gone public. And people like Sarah and Mike were calling up on dial-up modems to visit the site. Now, the first thing Sarah did when she managed to log on to eBay was enter a dining room table in the search box top of the screen. She was amazed when suddenly there appeared all these pictures of beautiful dining room tables. This seems like old hat to us now, but remember the first time the web produced so much information all at once? It was magical. At first, bidding on eBay, she learned, was a lot like bidding at a barn auction. She would bid on a piece of furniture and then lose out because someone always had more money. But one day, she was able to get a nice side table for 20 bucks, and, and that gave her some hope. Then one day, she saw it, a listing for a round walnut table and two beautiful chairs. The upholstery was amazing. The table was intricate in its detail. She clicked on it. The starting bid was only 10 bucks. She got excited. It was a, the kind of table she could see her kids sitting around one day. So there's this brief bidding war, and by some miracle, some grace, Sarah wins the table and the chairs. She remembers it costing something like 20 bucks. Her husband remembers it costing more like 40. But either way, Sarah was elated she had finally found the right place. And she started to wonder if she could furnish her whole house for under 400 bucks. She recalls how smart she felt to have found eBay before anyone else had. A couple of days passed, and one day Sarah goes out to the mailbox, and there's a package. It's a box, like half the size of a toaster. I'll let Sarah tell you in her own words what happened next. I'm sort of like, oh, what's this? I brought it inside, and I came into the kitchen, and I opened the box. And there was my walnut table and two chairs. Just as beautiful as they'd been in the picture, only about two and a half inches high. When a poor blind beggar, a man in the fringe of society that does not see him as fully human, when he learns that Jesus of Nazareth is near, he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He may be blind, but he recognizes Jesus for who he is, not for what the others in the crowd wanted him to be. He is the son of David, the one with the power to grant mercy and sight to the blind. All the others in the crowd were annoyed by Bartimaeus. They may have been impressed by Jesus, but they didn't recognize their need for him. Bartimaeus was blind, but he alone saw clearly that day. We are all blind. We all live in a penumbra, in a state between total light and complete darkness. We never see the whole picture. We miss things. The light is just not bright enough, or in some cases, the darkness is just too strong, which is why we all need Jesus. 
We all need him to help us see the whole picture, to see what we miss. This is the crux of the matter, the humility required to begin our journey of faith, to follow him. We are all blind, and faith can make us well. Faith can give us sight. But to receive faith's power, we must first acknowledge our need. Let me be clear about something this morning. The statement that faith can make you well that Jesus says in today's passage, this is not magic or superstition or some simple fix. When Jesus says, your faith has made you well, he is not saying that these people somehow believed their way into wellness. What he is doing is pronouncing their wellness, declaring it, making it happen for them. The act of crying out for mercy, for help, for sight, for vision, is what faith looks like. It's not about certainty, it's about honesty. It's about an expressed dependence and trust and reliance on the one that gives sight to the blind. Mike and Sarah discovered they were blind, but once they realized it, once they realized they'd unknowingly purchased dollhouse furniture from a craftsman in Maryland, they didn't get defensive or angry or bitter. They laughed about it, of course, but they also took it as a chance to remember that they were going to miss things from time to time, that they were, in a way, blind. And so they did something to mark this truth that was remarkable, I think, in its simplicity. In their big, empty dining room of their big, empty house, they set up that tiny doll room table and those two tiny doll room chairs right there in the middle of the room. It was ridiculous and brilliant and beautiful all at the same time. I love that image because isn't that how life works? We try to make it in our own. We try to act like we've all got it figured out, like we're in the right. And all we end up doing is furnishing our lives with miniature dollhouse furniture. And I wonder what would happen if instead of hiding our mistakes that are often born out of blindness or pride or arrogance, I wonder what would happen if we took our mistakes, our tiny dollhouse furniture, and put them right on display in the middle of our homes. How different would the world be if we all accepted our blindness? If we all acknowledged in word and in deed that we are living in a penumbra, in a space between the light and the dark where it can be really hard to see the whole picture. Imagine if we all admitted we needed a little help, a little mercy from Christ, yes, to be sure, but also from one another. After Mike and Sarah put the dollhouse furniture at the center of their dining room, a funny thing happened over time. All their friends and family started buying them little doll dishes and glasses and other pieces of furniture so that after a while their dining room was nearly fully furnished with the tiniest of treasures. We are all blind, blind to what we don't know, blind to our prejudices, blind to our cruelty, blind to our complicity. This is the foundation of our faith, a confession of sorts. We do not see life for what it is. We do not see truth when it's right in front of us. We miss God all the time. And the cure to this blindness that we profess as Christians is Jesus. I don't mean to say that following him will make everything clear. 
but trusting in him will open our eyes. It will give us the humility to see that we need to have our vision transformed, especially if we think we see things better than other people do. Near Jericho, a great scribe was sitting quietly by the roadside. As this scribe contemplated faith and life and the finer points of the law, a large and noisy crowd stumbled by. The scribe was intrigued by all the activities, so he asked one of the passersby what was going on, what was happening. The man shouted excitedly, Jesus of Nazareth is here, he's approaching the city. The scribe had been curious to meet this Jesus fellow. Despite his odd choice of friends and his disregard for the finer points of the law, the scribe had to admit there was something about Jesus. And so he joined the crowd. After some walking, everyone came to a stop, and a silence descended upon the crowd. As the scribe looked up, he saw Jesus walking through the mass of people, talking to folks and healing them. And as he watched this happen, a cry welled up from deep within the scribe, and he began to hear himself shouting, Son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. Those who led the way rebuked the scribe and told him to be quiet. But the scribe shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. As Jesus came near, he stopped and asked the distinguished man to approach him. When the scribe came near, he, Jesus touched him and said, Your faith has healed you. At that moment, the scribe was blinded, no longer able to see. When the people saw what had happened, they were absolutely horrified, but Jesus paid them no attention. Instead, he put his hand on the shoulder of the scribe and whispered, you will be blind for but a while. Then you will see. To this, the man replied with a smile, oh Lord, it does not matter. For the moment you touched me, I saw all that I ever needed to see. Amen.